on Sunday, November 5th, 2017. Kristaps Porzingis blew up Madison Square Garden. If you missed the game last night, I feel bad for you because Kristaps Porzingis dropped 40 points at one point 15 in a row starting in the third quarter to ignite a 19-point comeback on the Indiana Pacers who looked like they had this game in the bag for three straight quarters. And not only did our guy... KP shoot 15 of 24, 8 of 9 from the line, two three-pointers. He only had one assist, but it was perhaps the most important play of the game. At the peak of the 19-point comeback in the fourth quarter, Kristaps Porzingis has been on fire. He hasn't missed in what feels like a quarter. Gets the ball in the high post, gets a double-team, Goes up like he's taking the shot. Flips out to Frank Nilakina for three in which he drains. And puts a stamp on this Knicks victory for a signature win early on in the Christoph Porzingis-Frank Nilakina duo at the Garden. So not only did Porzingis drop 40 points, get 8 rebounds, but Frank Nilakina had 10 points, 7 assists, 6 of those 10 points coming on two crucial fourth quarter three-pointers, as well as an 18-point, I mean, 18-rebound performance out of Enos Cantor. Today was a night that Enos Cantor did not look to score first, something you cannot say about Enos Cantor night in, night out. The Knicks were fun to watch, but why am I here not doing an intro? Why am I here not yet telling you what you're listening to or who I am? It's because the garden was electric last night. For me, it's right now. It's still tonight. In fact, I recorded a podcast with Kevin Law of the SportsQuotient.com earlier tonight before the Knicks' amazing comeback even happened, before we thought it was possible. In fact, we started recording the episode, and the Knicks game had just started. We basically clicked record when they tipped off. And I, I'm not going to lie, there was one point about four or five minutes in to the interview where both my hands shot up because Porzingis was running down the court with an alley-oop that he grabbed one-handed and threw down in rhythm. It was a beautiful thing to watch. It was a fun time to be at the Garden. But if you didn't know this already, you're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm the host of this fine program. I had no choice recorded an hour-long interview with Kevin Law of the Sports Quotient, which you'll hear in just a moment. But what was I going to do after getting my heart rate up that high watching the New York Knicks play basketball? No, I'm not even kidding. I had to literally change the channel to the football game to calm down. (laughs) There was a TV timeout for whatever reason in the Knicks game at some point in the fourth, and I was like, I need to to see what's going on somewhere else because my heart's pumping. And it was great, but I turned to football to calm down for a moment. (laughs) Luckily for the rest of this podcast, we're going to be talking a lot about football and also about basketball towards the end of the interview with Kevin Law, uh, in which we talk about his interview with Rob Perez. And if you don't know who Rob Perez is, you might know his alter ego or his Twitter version, uh, whatever you want to call it, Worldwide Wob on Twitter, at world underscore wide underscore wob. He's a really famous NBA Twitter head. And my man, Kevin Law, who we talked to in a moment, he interviewed him. 
for his website on the sportsquotient.com. So it's going to be a lot of fun talking to Kevin. But if I did not give you guys my thoughts and how I felt about the Knicks' performance, I would be doing you a disservice. This is the Sports Blog New York podcast, goddammit. And we talk Knicks. Yeah, we talk NFL and basketball and we talk baseball and other stuff. But the Knicks are electric and we're going to let that one fly by the wayside? Nah. So keep in mind that throughout the rest of this episode, this Knicks thing with Porzingis and 40 points and the garden exploding and the whole nine and, and Lance Thomas's double pump dunk through the lane. I mean, the game was filled with nothingness for the first three quarters, a few highlights here and there, but mostly losing basketball and the fourth quarter, well, starting in the third, but the fourth quarter, man, if you were at the garden last night, I am jealous of you. If you were at the Garden, hit me on Twitter, man. Hit me on Twitter at Pete Kennedy, two Ys on the end, or at SportBlogNYC. That's at SportBlogNYC and my personal Twitter, at Pete Kennedy, two Ys. Or go to SportsBlogNewYork.com, uh, rate and review the podcast. I don't really care. I just want to hear what you think about this Knicks performance, about this Knicks team, about the level of fun they can be in which they've shown now for three or four, maybe five games this season. What I watched last night with Kristaps, the Knicks, Cantor, and Hardaway, and Neil Aquina, and goddamn Jared Jack and Lance Thomas, you got to give them a shout-out. It's fun, man. It is fun. And I hope I don't sit here in two months and say, ugh, remember when they were fun for like a week? Because that would be very hard to swallow. New York sports is in a little bit uh, of a pickle. (laughs) The Jets aren't very good, but they're at least watchable. The Giants stink. If the Knicks can be fun, this town will be popping off, just like the Garden was on Sunday night. So you're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. We're going to be coming back in just a moment after this fine tune from my man Junior, who I know was active on Twitter during this Knicks game. So shout out Junior. Check out his music on SoundCloud. I'll link it in the podcast. But without further ado, let's get to this interview with Kevin Law of thesportsquotient.com. My name is Peter Kennedy, and you are listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. I can't really sing. <laughs> yeah. la, 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 You're listening to the SBNY Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm your host. Today we're going to talk about a lot of things in the world of the NFL. Also have a little NBA talk at the end. But more importantly, we have a very special guest over from thesportsquotient.com. His name is Kevin Law. He'll be joining me for today's episode. Very excited to hear his takes uh, for multiple reasons. Number one being that he is a Rams guy who follows these Rams, he watches these Rams, roots for them. They're a fun team. They got a fun young quarterback. And also, he's just a big NFL, NBA guy in general. Again, he's from the Sports Quotient. His name's Kevin Law. But of course, this this podcast is on sportsblognewyork.com, as well as iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. So don't forget to subscribe and rate and review this podcast, because we love hearing back from our fans, everybody who comes in and listens every week. The numbers may not be huge, but we appreciate every listener, and we want you to know that and share your thoughts and tell your friends, because this is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. But without further ado, let me bring in my guest, Kevin Law. What's up, man? How's it going, Petey? How are you? I'm doing well, and I'm so glad that you're on with me uh, for this Monday edition of the Sports Blog New York Podcast, because the last time you and I did a podcast together, it was before this little... Sports blog, New York podcast was even on iTunes. Like we just put it on SoundCloud and threw it on the website, 
Uh, who knows how many people are listening to it? I mean, not many do now, but it was definitely less back then. Uh, but we talked about. I, I listen to it on the regular, so oh. I, th- I think some people are pretty regular listeners. I think you've gained a decent following. I hope so, man. I really do. And and the slow and steady race has begun, and hopefully we keep growing. And hopefully your voice is going to help that grow because you write some cool stuff on the sports quotient. But it comes full circle because what did we talk about the last time you're on? How about the NFL draft with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz? Feels like a long time ago now. How are you feeling about the Rams? I'm well. Obviously, the first year with Jared Goff, I was not too happy all the time. And at the time of the trade, I was like really disappointed because I didn't think it was a really good deal, and I wasn't necessarily sold on Jared Goff. And I guess even now, maybe this is just the Rams pessimism in me. But I'm not completely sold on Jared Goff. There's some things that have been a little concerning when he's played against some of the better defenses, most notably against Seattle. Uh, But overall, I've been very pleased with this Rams season. This has been probably the best season of my, like, true Rams fandom. I know they were pretty good when I was, like, five or six years old when they won the Super Bowl, when they were the greatest show on turf. But I wasn't super into football then. Now I'm, like really into football and I have been for quite some time but for most of the time when I've been a true like Rams fanatic they have been pretty terrible (laughs) so this has been quite an enjoyable year for me as a Rams fan and hopefully continues to be right well the the juxtaposition of many topics of this podcast is very funny so a the last time you were on we talked about the Rams with the Jared Goff, Carson Wentz draft. About uh, well, now we we didn't ever talk about Sean McVay because he's the new coach and he looks really good. But also, the Rams played the New York Giants today or yesterday. We're recording Sunday night. They played the Giants yesterday and absolutely annihilated them. Uh, and we're going to be talking more about the Rams, more about McVay and Goff uh, a little later. But it's just funny that all these things are next to each other now. Of the Rams putting the Giants in the coffin, uh, the Eagles also just dominating. Carson Wentz looks fantastic. They look like the best team in the league. So it really is an interesting time in the NFL where we don't know who's the best team. The Eagles and Carson Wentz look like they might be. They're definitely in the conversation. And who would have thought your Rams, Kevin, your your freaking Rams. Who would have thought? They're leading their division, and Seattle lost to Washington. A great win for Washington to help out Rams fans, if that makes sense. I think you know what I mean. For but sure. We're going to talk about our best four teams in the NFL in this next moment. But real quick, I don't want you to show your hand too much, but do you consider the Rams in that conversation? I, once again, I think this might be my Rams pessimism, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to put them in that conversation just yet. I, there are some things that do concern me about this Rams team. I think... Uh, sometimes, obviously, their defense. Sometimes they make a ton of big plays on their defense, but I have seen some times this season where the defense has looked like they give up a ton of yards, and um, hopefully they'll be able to clean it up in certain situations. But overall, I'm like I said, I'm very pleased with how the Rams have looked, but I'm not going to jump to putting them in my top four teams in the NFL right now so we can peel that band-aid off then i guess that's good because imagine a rams fan say listening to this hearing your voice and being oh my god there's a rams fan 
who's talking on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Let's go. He's going to put him in the best conversation, but you're slow in your role. I appreciate that because I think I think uh, people, you know, like you and I do pay attention to the national landscape. I'd say more than like an average fan who is just a fan of like, say, the Giants or just a fan of the, of the Rams would pay attention. Maybe not for football, but say basketball and stuff like that. I, I find with my teams, I often force myself to be pessimistic. Maybe it's because I'm a fan of the Knicks and the Mets, <laughs> but I feel like I have to force myself to do that. But without further ado, well, let's get to this now. We'll get to this football conversation for the best four teams. Uh, I'll start off now, and I'm going to say this, and if you can agree, then we can knock out both of our one of the four. We don't, we're not doing specific orders here. Just the best four. The Eagles have to be considered one of the best sure. four teams in the league. Is that fair to say? 100%. They're, they have the best record. I think right now Carson Wentz is the league MVP, in my opinion. He's been absolutely incredible. All I, Eagles fans might think this is coming as like hate a little bit because Jared Goff was so bad last year, but after Carson Wentz's like really hot start at the beginning of last season, I don't think he was very good last season. He was like, I thought he was like average. He was obviously better than Goff, but this year he has made unbelievable strides and it has been impressive. And like I said, right now he's my league MVP. So the Eagles got to be in that top four, uh, wherever you want to put them there. But yeah, I agree. They're definitely in my top four. Okay, good. So that's one out for both of us. I think I've been – because you know what? I hear people say, oh, well, I don't consider them a Super Bowl contender because Carson Wentz has never been in the playoffs and he has no experience and uh, now their left tackle's hurt and this and that. And they're making excuses. And I say, fine, you don't have to say they're the Super Bowl favorite. But if you're trying to discount this team for being super talented and good at winning football games in the regular season, then you can't have the conversation. They're clearly – one of the best teams in the league, and maybe they do shit the bed in the playoffs, but we're not there yet, and I'm only telling you what I see, and I see the Eagles are dynamic. They have defensive playmakers, and when Carson Wentz makes one of those wow plays where he either uses his feet to escape pressure and chucks a ball, you know, whether it be 80 yards on a dime, not 80 yards, obviously, but a deep ball on a dime or a laser to the sideline, it's just impressive and fun to watch. One thing, like like you said, that... Uh, Jason Peters just went down. I thought that they were going to be uh, – I'm sure they were calling Houston, but obviously Seattle traded for Dwayne Brown this past trade deadline and the craziest NFL trade deadline I've ever seen. Like people yeah. almost never make trades during the regular season, especially like big trades. Uh, but that would have been, I think, a great trade if – Oh, Philly could have brought in Dwayne Brown to be the left tackle with uh, Jason Peters going after the season. I know they traded for Ajayi, who I think is going to be pretty solid for them. He scored a long touchdown today. Uh, but I think he wasn't really a need. Like, they have a couple of pretty good running backs, I think, right now. But I think if they could have gotten that uh, awesome left tackle to complement the rest of that line and the rest of that offense, I think that would have been huge. Uh it to for their playoff and possibly even Super Bowl run. And you mentioned how last year Goff kind of struggled. Part of that was specifically related to if you look at the basically you know how they do in basketball the on court off court stat when when uh, what's his name Jason Peters was hurt last year Carson Wentz was a different quarterback and that's kind of what hurt his second half. So 
the easy thing to think then is, well, he's hurt now. Maybe he's going to struggle again. Today he showed clearly that's not going to bother him too much, especially against weaker teams, maybe when we get a good defense up on him, who Denver was supposed to be, right? Wasn't Denver supposed yeah, to have a good it's, defense? It's surprising that Denver has essentially – it's kind of weird to think about, but Denver and the Giants aren't like too different. I feel like at the end of last year – I looked at both of those defenses as being two of the best in the NFL, and they didn't necessarily lose a lot of talent this uh, past offseason, but I feel like they've kind of just given up is the wrong word. But like a lot of times when you have a heavy veteran locker room, when things start going poorly, a lot of times the locker room can turn. And uh, we may get into this a little more when we talk about the Giants, but that locker room has definitely turned on Bob Mack. Uh, ben McAdoo. I, I, th- um, I wish his name was Bob. That would have been great. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if the Denver locker room has necessarily turned on Vance Joseph yet. I think the Denver defense might have turned on the Denver offense, <laughs> if, if that's a thing. But um, overall, yeah, like you said, we all thought coming into the season Denver was going to be an awesome defense, and now they are struggling. They're getting torn up, especially today against Philly. Yeah, and poor Trevor Simeon. Just when you thought he can be like at least an average NFL quarterback, he literally his game just hit the fan and went everywhere. <laughs> but uh, so let's move on from the Eagles. So we think the Eagles are good. They're they're eight and one. We think they're good. Their point differential is a hundred. It's plus a hundred and four right now. Uh, so that's, that's ridiculous insane. off the bat. They're on a seven game win streak. They're on fire. So let's move on from then. That from them, uh, and let's talk about your second team. Who's your second team that you're going to put in your best four? They haven't played the second best this season, but I have to have New England in there. Oh, of course. At six and two. Okay, so we can knock off two of ours each, right? Can we just do because that's what I'm yeah. on too. And that's another one where despite their uh, record that doesn't look like what you thought it was, they're still six and two. It feels like they're struggling and they're six and two. So what have the Patriots always done? Get better as the season goes on. So if, if we're worried about a six and two Patriots team, we're out of our minds. Absolutely. So I, I guess let's 100%. move on to number three. Put the pressure on. What else do we even have to say? The only thing that's weird now, and I'll actually we'll use this as a moment to talk about something else that happened. So the only thing that's weird now with the Patriots is, God forbid Tom Brady actually does get hurt. There's no backup on the team anymore. What'd you make of the Garoppolo thing? Um, I actually wrote about this for the sports quotient earlier in the summer, where. It kind of makes sense that they had to trade Jimmy Garoppolo in the sense that he's coming up to become a free agent this uh, upcoming offseason. And if Brady's staying around, like you can't pay both Brady and Garoppolo. Garoppolo is going to get like crazy money this offseason once he hit the free, free agent market. And one of the actually advantages that the Patriots have had throughout, I guess, the recent run with Brady, especially in his most recent years, is that Brady has taken, like, pay cuts every season, I feel like, or restructured his contract in a way to help the Patriots add veterans to help them on go on Super Bowl runs every season. But if you have to pay both Brady and Garoppolo, then you lose that advantage as a team. Like, that's just dead money if you're paying that much money to a backup quarterback. So I felt like it was almost inevitable that they were going to trade him, but it what kind of makes the deal look, look bad now is 
the Jacoby Brissett trade, in my opinion, where Jacoby Brissett looks pretty good. Like, he's not setting the world on fire. Oh, he absolutely is serviceable, right? Yeah, he looks decent as a backup. And if he's your backup, that's not a horrible situation. And I've never thought Philip Dorsett is any good. And that has still been proven as he's come to New England and still been bad. He's been Um, irrelevant. (laughs) Yeah. So... I think that was almost like a panic move when Julian Edelman went down to say, hey, let's bring in Philip Dorsett, who doesn't play anything like Julian Edelman, but to just add wide receiver depth. Um, So I think if they hadn't made that Jacoby Brissett trade, I think this Garoppolo trade would be, I don't want to say a slam dunk. It was kind of just a net necessary move but it would have looked a lot better if they hadn't traded Jacoby Reset. right unless you got an actual first round pick for him there's not much to say that you can really win that trade but like you for said sure. inevitability is the right word because Jimmy Garoppolo probably wouldn't even sign with the Patriots if he didn't think he was going to play I, I heard rumblings from different radio shows that, I, that I've been listening to over the week uh basically say he was thinking about not resigning there anyway because he wants to play like he's at that point where he's saying I've been a backup for a long time now, dude. If you guys think I'm good, let let me spread my wings a little bit. Let me play some football, right? Makes sense. And I think the market has been set. I think if you have potential to be a good quarterback, even if the sample size is small, look at the contract Brock Osweiler got, even though clearly he's terrible. Look at the contract Mike Glennon got, even though clearly he's terrible. But look at those contracts that were given out to guys who showed less I would say, than what Jimmy Garoppolo has shown and who who's considered, I would say, a lower tier of um, small sample size quarterback in the NFL. And look what they got on the free agent market. So um, there would definitely be plenty of suitors for Jimmy Garoppolo had he at the free agent market, now, both financially and from a playing time standpoint. Absolutely. And this is actually kind of part of my theory on quarterbacks right now. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a changing landscape. That's a theory that I have coming up later in the show after we get through these best four teams if we ever make it there. But this is Kevin Law joined on the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm hosting this this fine program tonight. Uh, we are on iTunes Apple Podcast app, but you already know that. But what you might not know is that you need to subscribe, rate, and review. You need to let us know how you feel. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. The the uh, the reviews will be answered. If you shout out shout out a review, you say what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of. We will gladly try to incorporate that into our show. We want to make this for the listener. We want to make it for you. So subscribe, rate, and review. But Kevin Law joined on the podcast right now. The Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Back to that for a hot second before we get back to these best teams in the league because we have the uh, the Eagles and we have the Patriots. That's kind of easy. These next two teams who are the truest contenders is where it gets pretty iffy, and it can go a lot of different directions. But back to Garoppolo. The only person who might lose this trade now, this could be a bad move for Garoppolo. So if he plays in the rest of this season, say he waits, I think they're saying two or three more weeks before he actually plays week 11 or 12. Uh, If he plays from those weeks on and really struggles, that can be something that would hurt that, that pocket hurt that contract that he might get because if he just stayed in the blind and nobody saw him play the rest of the year, people will give him all the money in the world, a.k.a. Matt Flynn. But if he plays now for San Francisco and struggles, who knows? How do you feel about that, Kevin? Uh, I can agree with that 100%. I think more more likely than not, San Francisco is going to re-sign him for 
the question is just for how much money at this point. But if he does struggle, I can definitely see uh, that con- his uh, agent being uh, a little uh, weary of his uh, payday coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that, like you said, if he does struggle in these whatever, how many games he gets, like five or six games in the rest of the season in San Francisco, it could uh, spell troubles for his contract. I do think that more likely than not, um, like the 49ers trade a second-round pick for him, I do think they want to at least give him a chance to be uh, their quarterback in the future, especially when they have uh, what's considered to be like an offensive guru in Kyle Shanahan uh, running the show there. Um, But... Like you said, it could hurt him financially if he struggles. And this may also put an end to the Kirk Cousins to San Fran movement. <laughs> so I, I thought that was, until the Jimmy Garoppolo trade happened, I thought that was almost inevitable that Kirk Cousins was going to not get brought back by Washington. They already franchised him twice. And when you franchise your quarterback, that's basically saying, hey, I don't really believe in this guy, but I kind of want to see – what he has, and they did it twice. It's like, we don't mind paying you now, but we may not want to pay you later. <laughs> For sure. And I don't... Like, he was better the last two seasons. So if they didn't believe in him then, I don't see how they believe in him now. And obviously, he has a connection with Kyle Shanahan when Kyle Shanahan was in Washington. Um, but clearly, that has gone away. Um, I'm not sure... What other, there will be suitors for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is, in my opinion, still a good quarterback, probably top half of the NFL oh, uh, yeah. level I, quarterback. I there will that. be plenty of suitors. But um, like you said, that Kirk Cousins to Washington rumor that I thought was basically inevitable come this offseason is no longer going to be there. So that's good stuff. Shout out to Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, good for you getting your chance to play. I think he's going to do well. Quickly, one word. You think he's going to do uh, well or poorly? Are you saying this season or are you saying long term? I'm going to say a, a, a general Garoppolo stock. You buying or selling? Um, this is going to be – this is a finance major in me. Oh, gosh. Here we I'm go. I'm going to sell now. Wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Buy Kevin. at the dip. Kevin, I need to – I'm going to buy when – I'm going to buy after this, buy back after the season. Kevin, I need to correct you for a second. You're not just a finance major, man. You're a finance professional. we got to give ourselves some credit here. That's true. Last That's time, true. Last finance time we were on this podcast, we were majors. Now we're professionals, brother. Very true. Very true. <laughs> well, I think it's time now to get back to our uh, big f- best four, right? Our best four teams. It kind of feels like the college football ranking, right? The, b- the best four. This arbitrary meaning of not taking record, but taking just eye test slash win law win when uh, who you who'd you beat who'd you lose to we're we're doing that t- sort of system here for our best four NFL teams uh, and how about now Kevin number three maybe we won't agree <laughs> um so my my third team is Pittsburgh are you waiting to see if I would agree I'm waiting to see if you agree no nah, you got this one man. Um, I don't. Okay. Have, I don't. I do not have them included in my four. So you take I, it. Why do you have it? Back it up. I like this. Isn't the Pittsburgh of the last few years? Big Ben clearly looks like he's not as good as he once was. Uh, if you've seen some pictures of him, his whole body sometimes is like wrapped in 
ice, which is pretty comical. You've seen any of those pictures. Uh, but I do think the offense, Le'Veon Bell is still amazing. Antonio Brown still amazing. Juju Smith-Schuster is the most fun guy in the NFL, it seems like. <laughs> with all of his like social media antics and uh, with his on-field plays backing it up, he looks great. Um, and that defense has been pretty good. So in, a, in an NFL this year, which has been fairly, I would say, wide open, I definitely still have them in my top four um, with how good they – with how good I think they have been and how good they will be. Um, even though, big, like I said, Big Ben hasn't been as good as he once was, I think going to the playoffs, I can still trust him to be pretty solid. Uh, and I think the rest of that team is pretty good. So um, I guess we'll go on to your third since we have a disagreement. Oh, absolutely. Well, just to shout out the Steelers, I do think they're very well, very good. They're, they just missed my top four, I think. Uh I just kind of have this this bad feeling about them. They've been playing a lot of weird games, games that kind of show me that they're not on top of their game. They're not completely focused right now. And it, it makes me a little nervous because they have been through a lot, and Big Ben has gone through the grinder over and over and over again, where you kind of just lose some faith after they haven't got it done when it matters most in a, in a while. So I, I'm just I'm just kind of a little bit soft on on the Steelers right now. Still love to watch them play. Still kind of pull for them because they're fun when they're playing well. But I'm gonna I'm gonna also mention that the Pittsburgh Steelers have the fifth best total defense in the league, with you know the fifth least yards per game given up. So their defense really has been showing up, and they got the weapons. So it makes a ton of sense. But to flip over to mine. Um, so we have the Eagles and we have the Patriots. The next team for me is actually going to – and it's, it's weird to say today. It's because they lost yesterday. But I still like the Chiefs. I still like the Chiefs. They lost to the Cowboys. The Cowboys played really, really well. Uh, and they were at home where they play even better typically. I still think they have a complete team. And I still think that Alex Smith – is going to continue to be Alex Smith, right? Like, I don't think he's changing. And I think the first couple weeks were a little bit of an anomaly, but now I think he's leveled out. And I think the level out is fine because he's going to have uh, some better games than he did against the Cowboys and the, uh, a couple weeks prior where he's been average. I think he's still a, a slightly above average guy. And they have the weapons. They have a defense who has been slowly but surely starting to make some defensive plays. Uh, so I still like the Chiefs. Here's, I like the Chiefs, but they're not in my top four, and here's why. I think like, they start off the season, they were setting the world on fire. Alex Smith, at the quarter pole of the season, I thought Alex Smith was the MVP of the league. Obviously, Kareem Hunt was everyone's favorite fantasy player, or maybe everyone's favorite fantasy nightmare, if you were playing him, especially week one. Um, but I think that team has just regressed to the mean in a big way in the sense that Alex Smith has come back to earth. Kareem Hunt has come back to earth. Uh, even though Tyreek Hill had his crazy like end of half play today where the first Hail Mary that I've ever seen where the quarterback threw it like 25 yards down the field and the receiver ran it in at the end of the half. It was basically crazy, a, but it was like a giant screen uh, almost. Yeah, uh, yeah, they had everyone blocking, which was awesome. Uh, it was a design. It looked like a design play, which was great. 
uh, as opposed to the mess that is usually end of half Hail Mary plays. But Tyreek Hill hasn't been that great lately. Um, Travis Kelsey, I think, is still one of the better tight ends in the league. But I think that defense is – it's been a classic bend but don't break defense. But I thought early on that when they lost Eric Berry, I think, what was it, week one they lost Eric Berry, he's like the heartbeat of that defense. And I think that defense, they're going to give up a ton of yards. And I think if they can't make the big plays on that defense, they're going to give up a ton of points too. Yeah, so I, I, that's I hear why you. And you I know can't what? have the Chiefs in my top four. When you say that you think they regress to the mean, this is where I actually agree, but I flip it into a different direction and go this way. They were so hot, like you said in the beginning, and then they got like very cold, right? So they kind of went from really hot to still pretty good to really cold, kind of. Now they're 5-3, and three, and they started off so hot, you didn't expect them to be – well, actually, 6-3, and three, I apologize – but you didn't expect them to have three losses already at this point. Now I kind of think when we talk about regressing to the mean, they're going to get back to that that middle area where they're not setting the world on fire and beating the Patriots at home. But they're also not going to be losing by double digits to the Cowboys or losing by double digits in general. They're going to be playing strong games. I think from here on out, we really see them tighten up. Uh, has, has, has Andy Reid has his bye yet, by the way? I think that's a... A no. When Andy Reid has his bye, they regroup. They're going to be re-energized. Uh, I still have faith. They've lost to the Steelers, the Raiders, and now the Cowboys in three of the last four weeks. Like you said, Steelers are one of the best teams, in your opinion. I think they're really super close. And the Raiders-Chiefs is a divisional game. Kind of tough. Cowboys really outplayed them. So that's why it looks tough. But they have Giants, Bills, Jets, Raiders again, who you see them splitting with. Chargers, Dolphins. And the Broncos, they look at the rest of their season. I think they can end up having five losses. They could be eleven and five, and we're going to be talking about them as: Is this the time they make it to the championship game, or is this the time they get over the hump and beat the Patriots in the playoffs? Maybe not, but I, I see them with at most five losses this year. That's completely fair. I can see them being definitely one of the better regular season teams, based especially based on that schedule that you just talked about. But just from I guess what I've seen recently, it, it definitely could be just prisoner of the moment uh, thinking by me with the Chiefs, but I think they've definitely just, I think they started off so hot that, and I think they've just uh, burned out a little. We'll, we'll see though. Like you, like I said, I think they could definitely be a good regular season team and the rest of that division looks not that great. So uh, I think they shouldn't have too many issues winning that division. Um, but I do think they're uh, not really that good. Um, you still, you still think they're just B, You think they're B plus still? Is your point? Oh, uh, they're B plus. We'll say they're B plus. Sure. I feel like they've always kind of been B plus, and I think I I kind of am still riding the the first couple week bandwagon where I think they're A minus. <laughs> but it's close, and it'll be interesting. And you know what's funny too? Before we move on to your fourth team. We thought that division was going to be stacked. We were like, in the beginning, well, not me and you specifically, but in general, football fans were like, AFC West, are you kidding? We got Chiefs, Broncos, Chargers are supposed to be good, like better, still compete every week, and the Raiders, who Derek Carr was supposed to take off this year again, right? Bring them back to the playoffs and actually play in the playoffs. And now you look at that division and say, all right, well, the Chiefs are still B plus, and the rest of those teams are kind of meh, especially the Broncos are pretty bad right now. For sure. 
Well, without further ado, what is your fourth team? Who is the fourth? Who rounds out your best four? This one is going to be... You might think this is crazy, so oh, I'm ready. But hear me I'm ready. out first. Oh, wait, hold on. Can you tell me where this lands on the hot take meter? Um, I don't know how much of a hot take it is just because they're, I think, what are they, 6-2? and two? So they're tied for the second-best record in the league. Okay. With, I don't know whatever it is, like seven or eight teams, it seems like, have that same record. Okay, let me. Oh, I'm curious now because I, I I'm thinking of those. I, I think my team is not who you're gonna pick, but I think your team is one that I strongly consider. So who do you got? I really like the Saints. Oh yes, I I had a feeling you. I mean, it was actually because you mentioned you were working or you're working up a, an idea for an article about them. I should have known, but I kind of thought you were gonna go a different direction. I'll tell you that in a moment. So why do you like the Saints? I just think this year. They are a complete football team. They haven't been a complete football team in the last, I don't know, five, six years, maybe even more than that. They've been the Drew Brees show where Drew Brees is throwing for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns a year, but they're giving up 35 points a game, it seems like, and never running the ball well. This year, with Mark Ingram and Kamara, they're balanced on offense. Drew Brees is not setting the world on fire like he used to, but... He's been really solid, and that defense is actually playing good football. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore has been probably the defensive rookie of the year. He's been absolutely amazing. The kid from Ohio State, I loved him in college. Now he's killing it in the NFL, of course. But that team, I think, all in all, is really solid offense, defense. I think they are like I said, a complete football team like we haven't seen from New Orleans in half a decade, I would say. It is funny because they're do- the Chiefs and the Saints have done the, the bait and switch. Legitimately, the Chiefs have been the team with you know the very average, sometimes underwhelming, well, mostly underwhelming, less than average offense, and winning with defense and defensive playmaking and stacking the quarterback. And the Saints have just been free willy-nilly slinging the ball down the field for the past couple of years. With playing no defense at all, giving up like thirty points a game, they've completely switched. Now the Chiefs have given up, give up, uh, you know, I think maybe the third most yards per game, and the Saints give up maybe the th- second or third fewest. They're completely switched. It's unbelievable. I think the Saints are really scary because you can argue that Drew Brees hasn't hit stride yet, and they have one of the best defense defensive uh, teams in the league. So when you combine a uh, Drew Brees who doesn't even seem like Drew Brees just yet. Like, he looks good. He doesn't look fantastic. And that defense, they're a scary team you never want to see, especially at home. And it looks like they can win the NFC South. So their their home field advantage in the playoffs is a little scary. For sure. If you get a playoff game in that dome, it is going to be electric. So, like you said, I would not want to be a team going into New Orleans uh, come the playoffs. That that's interesting, man. They, I mean, they've given up 155 points only this year, and at the quick glance, I'm pretty sure only the Seahawks, the Vikings, and uh, maybe the Chargers. Oh, oh, one more I'm forgetting is the Jaguars. They are their defense is ridiculous, and the Steelers. So only a handful of teams, maybe seven, seven teams. I didn't count why I just named those seven teams, giving up more points than the, than the New Orleans Saints, which is ridiculous. I actually shout out me. Uh, bang that under on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, with the help of my friend. Tipped me off on that one. He said, oh, 
hit that under. It was 54 and a half. They only hit 40. So they're they're playing tight D. They're shutting down their opponents. Also, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hashtag bad? Question mark? Uh, I was never on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bandwagon. I know they were a trendy pick coming into the season. I know Jameis Winston was a trendy MVP pick coming into the season. But I was never that high on the Tampa Bay Bucs. I just think that's not that good of a football team. And it looks like they're still not that good of a football team. Like, I thought Jameis would be good, but I never considered him to be possibly an MVP. And he's all, he's been, like, hurt on and off. But even when he has played, he hasn't been that great. And that team just – they have plenty of issues up and down the board when it comes to that team. Yeah. Uh, I kind of – I think I remember – if I remember ugh, remembering correctly, before the season started – I kind of said the same thing you did. They were trendy. I said, you got to watch out for these hard knock teams because you get to know these guys and you get to really like these guys. I think we were talking about fantasy football. I said Jameis Winston was going to go high in drafts because everyone was like, oh, man, his leadership and the way he talks to his teammates and keeps them in check and inspires and this and that and that. And you, you, get, you get in love with hard knocks. You get in love with people, and it's easy to root for them because you're getting to know them like you don't know anybody else in the league. But then the hype gets a little too high, and I think that definitely happened with Tampa Bay and Jameis Winston. Tough year so far for them. What do they have? Two wins at the moment. I could pull it up, but uh, I'm pretty sure two wins only. Yeah, two and six right now. Not a good start. All right, so you got the you got the New Orleans Saints as your third best team. That has you at New uh, Philadelphia Eagles, New England Patriots, and the New Orleans Saints. So for my third team, I, I sincerely was close to going to the Saints. Oh wait, no. This is your fourth team. Fourth team. That's correct. I said the Chiefs already. And you also said uh, the Steelers. My apologies. So you have your four. And now here's my fourth. And this is this actually feels a little corny. I'm not going to lie. This feels like it was a setup the whole time. But I sincerely believe this team is talented. And i got to give it to you, man. The Los Angeles Rams, I believe, are one of the four best teams in the NFL right now. I look across the NFL, whether it's in division and it's the Seahawks, whether it's the Saints or Panthers, whether it's... Um, even the Eagles, I think they go toe-to-toe with pretty damn well. I don't see a team that the Rams don't match up with. Like, they play a very well-rounded game, and they have a high-powered offense at times. And to win in the football, in the in NFL Football League, you need to control the line of scrimmage, be able to run the ball, which they're you know, very serviceable at with Todd Gurley, and also stop people on defense. And those are two things that they have been doing very well. I love them. I think they're fun to watch. I think Goff has been everything you need in a quarterback. Not too much extra, but he gives you everything you need in a quarterback. And I like watching them play. I love the Rams. Don't get me wrong. I love the Rams. You you won't be able to convince me that like they're not they're awesome this year. I'm so happy that they've been like an amazing team to watch. I'm happy with how Goff has been, how Gurley has been, how these weapons have been that they brought in. Um, the defenses look really solid with going to uh, Wade Phillips' new like 3-4 scheme where they've been a 4-3 scheme for the last X number of years. Um, I guess we'll see. Philly comes to L.A. in a few weeks. I think that's a game that everyone should have circled on their calendars because that'll be an awesome game, not even for Eagles and Rams fans, but for all the NFL to watch to really see I guess two of the better young quarterbacks in the league and then two of your top four. 
let's say two of my top five. We'll say the Rams are right outside of my top four, but I, I'm, I'm super excited about the Rams. Uh, but maybe it is just my Rams pessimism that's keeping them out of my top four. But like you said, they're awesome on both sides of the ball. We'll see if they can keep it up as they start playing some tougher teams. They're top three in offensive yards per game, yards per play. I mean, they're getting 20 first downs a game. They're they're quite balanced now. You looked at their receiving core and maybe thought that would be holding them back, but you look at what Cooper Cup and Robert Woods have been able to do, and then even, I mean, I don't know how consistent he's been. I'm sure you do. Sammy Watkins has had some big plays and some big moments, a big game or two. How, how has he been consistently? He's been pretty inconsistent. Okay, so that uh, makes, that makes sense of, why I only remembered big moments and not consistency. Yeah, he's had, he had a huge game against San Francisco, and he had a big play today against the Giants, but overall, I know he's been unhappy with how much he's been used in the offense. Uh, overall, uh, from what I've seen, him and Jared Goff haven't really had great chemistry, as opposed to Goff has obviously had great chemistry with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and some of these young tight ends. But uh, Sammy, Sammy's made a couple big plays here and there, and I think he'll be a huge asset um, come the rest of the season. And one of the actually thing the big things that he does is he's just a guy you have to cover. But you know he's good. You know if you don't cover him well, he's gonna make, he has the potential to make big plays. So he opens up the rest of that offense a little bit. And where he- Robert Woods does a lot of stuff underneath. Cooper Cup does a lot of stuff underneath. They don't necessarily stretch the field as much. Um, and it opens up the run game a little bit. But you know Sammy Watkins, if you don't if you don't cover him, he could like he did today. He could go deep on you and he can make uh, he can go 60, 70 yards for a touchdown if you're not if you're not careful. So if he's someone you have to cover, he opens up the rest of the offense for sure. And you know I take every opportunity to make an NBA comparison here. So some of these offenses in the league that we're talking about that are actually successful, they don't rely on star players all the time. They have a good system, right? So it's kind of like some of these NBA teams. You know, you think about the Warriors and all their talent, but the way they play is fantastic. You think about the Spurs who have, without Kawhi Leonard, maybe one all-star at a point in his career in LaMarcus Aldridge, who people were down on this year, and they're still scoring and beating teams, and it's the system. And these NFL teams kind of have that same thing working now where you have Kirk Cousins throwing for however freaking yard, many yards per season the past two years with you know some decent talent. And this year he has a little less talent, but he's still getting the job done. And I, I find that interesting now that these seemingly average talent teams and offenses are still putting up numbers. Uh, I agree with that completely. In the NFL, I think maybe, probably more, definitely more so than the NBA, where coaching is, I feel like, so huge in the NFL. Just not even it's systems and also it's just I guess being a leader of men really where I'll I'll go back to the Rams Sean McVay a lot of people were concerned because he's the youngest coach in NFL history and a lot of his players even are older than him they're like how will people respect Sean McVay as a head coach but I've heard nothing but positive things from the locker room from the LA media regarding Sean McVay where he has really not only from – we all knew he had schematic talent on the offensive side of the football, uh, but really as like a leader of men, like everyone believes in Sean McVay 
uh, in that Rams locker room. So, if Josh really if Josh McCown can lead the Jets to four wins, <laughs> then anything's possible. If there's a decent system and uh, a decent culture, I guess right. Uh, it's all about preparation and culture. It seems as well. Uh, what these guys can do pre like reading before the play starts and all that. So it, it is interesting where this NFL is going. Because you look at the best quarterbacks in the league, and you you love to say this is a quarterback league, but then you think about some of the other best teams in the league who don't have Tom Brady or don't have Ben Roethlisberger or don't even have Drew Brees, and they're winning a ton of games with freaking Case Keenum, like the Minnesota Vikings, with great defense uh, controlling the line of scrimmage and making just enough plays. Or Seattle, who can't block a soul. I mean, they have Russell Wilson. He's fantastic. But there's teams out there without, like, fantastic top five quarterbacks, obviously. Not everyone has a top five quarterback. There's only five of them who are still very successful. And it's pretty impressive to see how these offenses are working. Uh, so, wait, to round out our top four, or our best four teams, you, we both have the Eagles and the Patriots. You added the Steelers and the Saints. I added the Chiefs and the Rams. So, we actually both have the two and two AFC, NFC. Do you think there's one stronger conference? Because I think they're might clearly be a stronger conference. But do you think that's a real thing? Um, I don't think either conference this year is significantly stronger than the other in the NFL. I think this year, I think both conferences uh, have, amongst at least the playoff contenders, I think they have pl- plenty of depth of quality teams. So, I hear that. I, I, I do, because... You can make fun of the Ravens and the Bengals because they've kind of been extremely underwhelming. But then you look at a team like Jacksonville, they're they're scaring people right now. I mean, they're only 5-3, and three, but they've been picking up steam, and they are shutting people down on the defensive end. And those are like those middle, middle America teams, I guess like the, the, the middle class of the AFC. You can throw the Texans even though it's very sad what happened to... Deshaun Watson, the the middle class of the NFC includes teams like maybe the Lions who have been very underwhelming and then the Panthers and Falcons who can be scary but also have been a little bit weird. Panthers have been winning almost strictly on defense. They only have a plus nine differential for six and three, which is not a great look. Uh, and then the Seahawks, we know what they can do late, but who's scared of the Cardinals? I don't know. It's a, it's a weird NFL right now where we don't specifically know who's the best, but I think the separation has begun. I agree with that. Like the the separation between the Rams and the Saints and the the Eagles is but from the from the Redskins of the world and the Lions of the world is a little bit more evident now than it was two weeks ago, which is just natural as the season progresses. But before we go move on to basketball and talk about an interview that you did with one of the best people on NBA Twitter, one of the biggest the the most chaotic man on NBA Twitter. He drives NBA chaos. And it's a beautiful thing. We're going to talk about World Wide Wob and your inter- interview with him in a moment. But last thing I want to do, I just want to test this this quarterback theory that I've been working up on the podcast, and I don't have it down yet. But I want to I want to basically give it to you and see if you rework it. Tell me it's dumb. Like we bring it wherever you want, basically. But I want to say this, and it's, I've kind of gotten to it already with what I was just talking about. Everyone calls this NFL a quarterback league. You need a great quarterback to win. And though I still believe quarterback is the most important or the most necessary position, that's the word I'll use. It's the most necessary position, which I guess in turn makes it the most important, but I want to make, I want to call it most necessary that you need to be serviceable in. I don't think quarterback is a position anymore where you need to be 
the best at to be successful. I don't think you need the best quarterback. And everyone kind of thought you need the stud, you need the stud, you need the stud. I think now watching some of these teams like Minnesota Vikings, like I just mentioned, uh, and even now that Drew Brees has come down to earth after his, like you said, video game numbers and they're better than, than they ever been almost, people are starting to realize that though the quarterbacks are all pretty and they're the face of the franchise, and even though receivers are the ones we love in fantasy and running backs, defense and offensive line play have never meaned more in this NFL. I think now more than ever, the court, it's still driven by quarterbacks, but the necessity to be able to stop people and the necessity to protect said quarterback have never been more on, like up on the wall, shining bright as a prized possession in the NFL. Like, what, do you, what do you take out of that? I think one of the things you said there that's super important is the offensive line. I think I've always been a big proponent of you win the game in the trenches. Like last year, one of the best teams in the league, Dallas, um, they controlled games on the line of scrimmage just because they had the best offensive line. And this year, um, I think it's showing more with the amount of injuries that have been on different offensive lines. And there's been teams that are, I know Washington last year, last week they were like pulling guys off the street to play on their offensive line against Dallas. Um, And uh, in a position where I think I want, I don't know if this is part of like the whole concussion issue in the NFL or just, uh, like the injury issue in general where I feel like there are just less good offensive line linemen, if that makes any sense, where if you have five, a, a core of like five good offensive linemen and they stay healthy, or if you have a good core and then like you have a couple of decent backups that can fill in if necessary, that's like, I don't want to say it's more important than the quarterback, but it's, as important as it gets right now in the NFL to have a really solid offensive line um, to not only protect that quarterback, but to really drive everything you do on offense. And just to go back to, I guess, circle back to the quarterback thing in general, I don't know if, I think you should always be looking for that franchise quarterback, however you can get it. But I think the quarterback market, we've kind of had, we kind of have a bubble on the quarterback market in the sense that some teams are, let's say, I don't really consider Matthew Stafford to be one of the like best, best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's good. I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's getting, he got paid crazy money. Is he worth that? He is worth that in the sense that that is what the free market will definitely would have definitely given him. Absolutely. But since they paid him so much, that you're like you have to sacrifice sacrifice in other areas, and it works the same way in the draft. Where if you trade up and you get Carson Wentz or hopefully Jared Goff is as good, that's your franchise could be set for at least a few years. Right. But if you cuz especially like we saw with the Seahawks when you're paying Russell yeah. Wilson the rookie contract you can pay Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Byron Maxwell, Earl Thomas, or Mike, Michael oh they didn't well, did they have Michael Bennett back then? I think so, right? 
All those yeah. people, Bobby Wagner, they had all, and some of them, some of those defensive players were still on rookie contracts. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. I don't know exactly where to go with the theory. That's my point. Like I, I say, I'm workshopping it. It's because I don't really know what it says. I'm just basically saying that the quarterback being the most important position is still probably true, but I think the threshold for what makes a franchise quarterback can drastically change if you have that defense and or O-line. So Matt Stafford like is the perfect example almost because he doesn't have a, a run game. He doesn't have a run game at all. He hasn't basically his entire career. And his defense has been hit very hit or miss. They have been good at times. They've been pretty bad at times. They've been solid so far this year. Um, but he's the perfect example. In where in which the Los Angeles Rams this year with Jared Goff on a rookie contract they were able to sign an offensive lineman, maybe make that extra signing that they wouldn't have been able to on defense and add a receiver, make a trade for Sammy Watkins. Everything moves a little more freely when you're paying a quarterback only the rookie contract. And also, like you said specifically opening this podcast, you don't even love Jared Goff's game yet. Yet he's a part of one of the most potent offenses in the league, and it might be in part because of the strong defense and the the reimagined run game with Todd Gurley and using him as a pass catcher, you know? So I, I think it's interesting, and I don't know where it's going to go, this theory, but I appreciate your feedback, and I think you make a good point um, with the whole O-line thing. I've never heard O-lines get talked about as much as I have this year. Agree or disagree? Uh, I agree with that, for sure. And for good and for bad, we've heard – Good o- things about good O-line, but I think this year more than ever, we've heard about the inadequacy of teams' offensive lines, where if a guy goes down here or there, or even some offensive lines that are fully healthy, if they're just bad, you hear about the turnstiles at right and left tackle getting beat and having their quarterbacks killed. Like You hear both things. You hear good offensive lines like really driving change and driving like awesome play in their in their offense and in their teams in general and you hear really mediocre court uh, offensive line play like really being a jet detriment to their teams i think based off of what you hear it feels like there's more below average offensive lines than there are above average but that just might be media blowing up the fact that the seahawks can't block a soul or the giants can't block a soul and it makes it feel like everybody can't protect the quarterback uh that's interesting so that was, that was our best four for the NFL. We sh- shouted out throughout some other teams that we like. Uh, so that's some good stuff on the NFL. Do um, you have any closing statements before we move to your worldwide WAB interview and a couple NBA shout-outs? Uh, I don't think I have anything to close. Uh, in general, like you said, uh, I'm a Rams fan, and I was glad to see they were in your top four, even though that I'm hesitant to put them in my top four. But go Rams, even though this is, a I guess, New York-based uh, sports podcast. Well, this is, uh, this is actually what we didn't get to. We didn't get to mentioning the Giants or Jets. We, we planned to, but we kind of gone too far. We talked a little longer about the NFL and the quarterbacks and all that stuff. So we didn't get to the Jets and Giants, but I think it's pretty much simple what to say about the Jets and Giants. The Giants are done. I mentioned that. And the Jets are actually kind of fun to watch, and that's cool. And it looks like they're going to try to win as many games as possible. Now you just got to wait and see if the if the young quarterbacks get a chance or if Todd Bowles is going to keep his job. That's really it. I actually have one quick like take about the Jets. Go so for it. I know before the season, everyone's like, maybe the Jets will go 0-16 and try and tank. 
And this is the Jets are my perfect example of why I don't think any team from the start of the season will ever tank because there's the Jets have some veterans in their locker room and most teams have some veterans in their locker room and without guaranteed contracts in the NFL, like everyone is playing for their next contract. Everyone is playing for their next, for next season. Like you never know when your time is up in the NFL and coaches are the same way where like you look at the Sixers, like Brett Brown was through all of the process and now he's still the coach. He's still given his chance uh, to be the coach, uh, even through all the losing. But if Todd Bowles went through an 0-16, 1-15 season, he would have been gone. See, he's coaching for his job. He's not trying to lose. All these players, like the their defensive line, they got a lot of talent there. And just on the defense in general, and they got some, like Matt Forte, guys like that, they're not trying to lose. They're try- Even like Josh McCown, uh, where they know that Every, what what they're playing now, it goes to their next contract. So right. they got to make sure that – and they're also playing for pride where um, I think no team is going to just like try and lose games. Like that's why I think part of the reason why I don't think tanking will ever like really be a thing in the NFL. I agree. And I think it's a good thing, right? People always complain about tanking in the NBA. Uh, we're seeing that some teams are not about that life right now with uh, the Pacers winning a lot of games. The Magic look good. All these weird teams are coming out so hot uh, in the NBA. It's been kind of fun. So that's good stuff on the NFL. And I, I agree with all of your takes on the Jets right there. And I think the one thing you got to mention, shout out for Jet fans. It's been fun to watch the Jets. It's probably fun to be at MetLife Stadium on Sundays when the Jets are playing. Can't say that about the Giants. But you can say that about Todd Bowles' Jets, so good for them. And uh, I think he's earned the respect. So you mentioned Brett Brown, perfect example. He's still there because he was establishing a defensive culture of young players who work hard, whether they're out-talented or not. And it's cool to see a process, shout-out Henke, who made a little funny tweet about the Houston Astros winning the World Series. I thought that was very funny. (laughs) So that's a perfect segue, basically, to get back to NBA Twitter. And worldwide wop. So Kevin Law from Sports Quotient, check him out on the Sports Quotient. Or is it the? Sorry, but this is really unprofessional. Maybe it's just the SportsQuotient.com, correct? I'm not correct. Mistaken. Correct. I'm on the website right now, but just wanted to make sure. Yeah, the SportsQuotient.com. Kevin Law joining today uh, to talk about a whole lot of NFL stuff, and now about his exclusive interview with one of NBA Twitter's most fine finest tweeters, if you will. He's fantastic. This guy's hilarious. If you don't follow him, he's at world underscore wide underscore wob. Uh, on Twitter, changes his avatar like daily. He's a lot of fun. So, Kevin, I'll allow you to to basically take the floor here first. Give us like a elevator pitch on who is Rob Perez. So he's basically just he's one of the funniest guys on like like Petey was saying on NBA Twitter, where he's always making jokes about things that are going on in the NBA, and I guess sometimes on and off the court. And I just think he's a hilarious Twitter follow. And basically, so he follows a ton of people. I don't know if you've ever seen. He, like, follows almost the same that as he as he has followers. Right, which is like and 100K. basically, if you tweet anything funny at him, uh, he'll basically follow you. <laughs> so he follows me also. So if, oh, you shout follow, out if you follow someone, you can – obviously, if you follow someone, you can DM them. So I thought I was – Kind, I kind of want to do some writing, but I couldn't really think of a topic at the time. So I kind of just 
quote unquote shot my shot and DM'd him saying if he wanted to do an interview and great he was awesome. Like I was so shocked. I was like, this guy is like way more famous than our site and me for sure. And I was like, maybe he'll give us a like quick interview, but he was super awesome. He answered like all my questions like super thoroughly. I thought my interview articles a lot of people like sent me messages saying like you know that was awesome uh what you did with wob like that was so funny and like it came out to be an awesome piece and i'm like super grateful that he was nice enough to um uh answer my questions and to do the take the time to do the interview absolutely and you can find that at the sportscoaching.com i'll also link that article in the podcast article on sportsblognewyork.com. So if you're hitting up sportsblognewyork.com, looking at this podcast, which is a sportsblognewyork podcast, you can also get the link to this article where Kevin Law interviewed Worldwide Wob, the famous NBA Twitter head. So he he's fantastic. He's a lot of fun. Uh, so what did you learn from him about basically what it's like to run his account? Because if you follow him, man, he tweets all the time. He It's like a full-time job for him. Uh, what did he say to you that basically got into your head about his process of how he finds funny things and, and tweets so often and, and such good content and basically gain this big following? I think one of the big things that he talked about, and it wasn't necessarily with his Twitter account or what he does now, is just like, I guess, just being different on social media. I think a lot of people they see what's hot and they kind of try and be that. But I think him, he's just himself. He does something he likes that's different than what other people are doing. And he just does it a hundred miles an hour. And which I think is awesome. And like something as one, another thing we talked about to segue a little from, from the NBA is his police chases. So Yeah, he's real into that. That's a really funny wrinkle because his Twitter really is and all of his work is really so basketball centric and that's the one thing that is really random. But talk about that. So actually we we have like a bunch of group needs for the sports quotient and one of the things that Wob actually got us all into is whenever there's like a police chase, it's always in LA. Uh, but whenever there's like a p- police chase, we'll throw like birds in the air in one of our groupies and we'll tag like a bunch of the people that are big fans of it. And basically, it's crazy. There's, I don't know how this, it seems like it happens like every other day where there's uh, a police chase going on in usually the Los Angeles area. And it could be during like rush hour or it could be in the morning or late at night or whenever there's always these like i said police chases and we're hoping that obviously we hope that everyone is safe but you see basically real life jeep grand theft auto <laughs> they're electric where, <laughs> where someone's driving at however fast through residential areas trying to swerve through the traffic trying to avoid hitting anybody uh and sometimes a police chase will go on foot uh, sometimes it'll go through some like crazy areas in LA and it's just like you said, like he said as well, the most important thing is that no one gets hurt. Uh, but it, they are like, they're a rush. They're a huge adrenaline rush in the sense that 
you never know what's going to happen next in one of these chases. It's real life. Anyone who's played Grand Theft Auto throughout their life, like that's it's basically that brought to life. It is a lot of fun, and he always gives the alerts uh, on Twitter when something good's going on. Uh, so back to the NBA Twitter culture because he's obviously a big part of it, and and I think you and I find ourselves as a part of that culture as well as just being big NBA fans in general, interacting with everybody who just loves talking, debating, uh, remembering stuff about the NBA. So what can you talk about with the get buckets culture? Because I'm definitely one who loves to get buckets, not only when I'm on the court. Like everything I can do is about getting buckets. Uh, That's something that you talked about in your article. So what is the get buckets NBA Twitter culture really all about in your opinion and what what you learned from Wob? So getting buckets, like Wob said, is kind of a lifestyle where it's obviously it starts on the basketball court. Anyone who's played pickup basketball, I know me and Petey, we played tons of pickup basketball when we were in college together. Oh, we did, man. We had to. I'm sure we both do now. Uh, And getting buckets is just, obviously you want to do it on the court, but off the court, whether you're feeling, sometimes you're feeling yourself, whether it's, I don't know, getting a girl's number at the bar or (laughs) uh, getting some... If you order a medium fry and they give you a large fry, that could even be that could be getting buckets. Oh, Anything where it's just you're feeling good, you get some, you get a metaphorical bucket in real life, and you just start feeling yourself. That anything about that could be part of the getting buckets culture. Absolutely, and it's so much, it's so much fun. Just basically, it's treating life like that. You're keeping not that you're keeping score. But you're hyped that you're scoring is the point. Like, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It can be the smallest part of your day. It can be the biggest part of your day. It can, like you said, it can be on court or off court. It can be getting the like the last, I don't know, like the last chicken cutlet on the dinner table. You're like, oh, that, that can't count it. You know what I'm saying? Everything you can count, get get a bucket with it. And it's a great culture, and it, it really shows on NBA Twitter. People love just to get a reply or quote someone's tweet to basically prove their point wrong. Boom, bucket just got. So it's a lot of fun, uh, and we're definitely a part of it. Let's, let's move on, though, to actual NBA talk for a moment because we have been talking now for a while, me and Kevin Law, of the Sports Quotient. So before we go and before, you know, or after we finish up with the NBA Twitter stuff, I want to talk about the actual NBA, actual on-court stuff that's going on. So basically I'll just give you the floor here. What's a takeaway of yours, whether it be something that surprised you, something that's so – it's so unsurprising that like it's a, that you just knew it was going to happen, basically like a lock. I don't know. The floor is yours. Bring me somewhere that you've been enjoying this NBA season. I think just in general, I think the whole Eastern Conference is chaos. Just straight chaos. I don't chaos. understand what the hell is going on in the Eastern Conference. Like the Orlando Magic are, like you said before, the Orlando Magic are like weirdly looking good. Um, the Indiana Pacers, who I actually think, like, Victor Oladipo has been an all-star this year. He's been awesome. Fantastic. So so fast and explosive. I'm not going to say that they won the Paul George trade, but <laughs> if he keeps playing like this, we might be having that discussion. Uh, but obviously the Cavs look like they couldn't guard five versions of me on the court. It looks like the, I would drop five like of me would drop like a hundred points on them. Um, They're bad. The Cavs are bad, dude. I put out a tweet today 
from the NBA Outsiders. That's our uh, other po- version of this podcast that we talk about. It's both on the same feed as of right now. Soon to be changed. But I tweeted out literally just today and got some good feedback on it. Basically, I, I said this. The Cavs have now lost to the Magic, the Nets, Pelicans, Knicks, Pacers, and Hawks. They lost to the Hawks. That's six teams who are widely considered lottery teams. And the Cavs are getting beat by them. Six teams. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. If the I'm Warriors, not sure if what everyone, to make of it. wait, people still think I gotta say this. People still think it's gonna be Warriors Cavs, right? Fair assessment. I think the Cavs have a, a a good chance to turn this around. Obviously, like LeBron James, the whole nine, whatever you want to say, Cavs have a good chance to turn this around. Still represent the East. If the Cavs played the Warriors today, the Warriors would win by fifty. It wouldn't be close. They might score 180 on the Cavs. Sir. <laughs> Obviously, I'm being a little yeah. bit exaggerative with the 180, but I can you can't you see them scoring 140 or 150 on the Cavs? Oh, for sure. The, if they played, the Warriors right now are head and shoulders above what the Cavs are, and the like. It's hard to see who will come out of the Eastern Conference. Like we all think, like especially with the Gordon Hayward injury. But the Celtics have looked pretty good. They're, they're probably been the really best team in the East. A team where Kyrie Irving is head and shoulders the best player on that team, winning the Eastern Conference. Like I don't know, maybe. Um, like Jalen Brown has like randomly looked good. Al Horford is like looking like Hawks Al Horford. He's looking better so, than Al Horford. <laughs> yeah, this is not the last season Al Horford. This is. Like I said, the Hawks, Al Horford, but you still got to think the Cavs are the favorite, but they have looked absolutely atrocious. And then, obviously, I'd love to if Giannis won the East. That would just be. Electric. I feel like MB, that would be like an NBA Twitter like orgasm right there because <laughs> be. everyone loves Giannis. He's so sick. Um, but if the Bucks won the East, that would be crazy. But even the Bucks are, are struggling a little bit. I mean, they're yeah, under they're fi- struggling they're, a little. They're under five hundred right now. You know, yeah. so basically, my question about the Cavs is, and then I'll get to one takeaway that I have that's been a lot of fun for me this year. When do we reach the point with the Cavs where five hundred or possibly below five hundred, like they are now, gets actual like where we can actually just say, all right, this team is really not good. Like when when can we actually say the Cavs are not good? Can we say it already? Like I don't know, man. Like they. Sincerely, I, I'm not just talking from them losing these these games. I've watched them maybe three times this year, which isn't a ton. Uh, and that doesn't even include the Knicks game. I missed when they lost to the Knicks. I was listening on the radio mostly. I've watched the Cavs three times, and they can't stop a soul. They don't have spacing. They're old. Dwayne Wade is bad. I've been saying that for over a year. Like, I don't get how they turn this around, really. Um, I feel like until he... He, LeBron still looks amazing. Oh, he's he fantastic. God damn it. He scored 57, 11, and 8 the other day or some yeah. crap like that. So it's hard for me to say that any team with LeBron is not, especially in the Eastern Conference, is not going to be one of your contenders in the Eastern Conference or even favorites in the Eastern Conference. If he, if he but, pulls this team to another finals and people still give crap for the MJ-LeBron debate, I am just I'm done with it. I'm over. I'm pretty much over that debate debate anyway. Just because it's annoying. Over that debate. But yeah, I've, oh, I've been, been over that debate. I've been so over that debate as well. But I, I I just tolerate it. I guess still. 
But if he brings them to the Eastern Conference Finals and you still don't think it's a debate, at least, like, I just don't want to hear you talk about basketball ever. Like, he's so unbelievable. Uh, it really is ridiculous. But let's get to my one thing, and I want to hear your take and some of the people you love. So I was actually going to shout out the Celtics, but since you did a lot of Eastern Conference uh, talk there, I'm going to go a different direction. And my direction is rookies have been really, really fun. There's multiple rookies who are averaging double-digit points, who are playing real minutes, who are actually playing on some decent teams like Jason Tatum and even Donovan Mitchell, who has had some fantastic runs in games. I'm just going to shout out a bunch of names right now, and you can add to the list when I'm when I'm done. But there, these rookies have been just really fun for me. That includes Jason Tatum, Jonathan Isaac in Orlando, obviously Ben Simmons. Like That's not even close. My man's been ridiculous. I hardly think of him as a rookie. But then you get to Frankie Nicotine, who's been doing some cool things in New York. You got Mitchell. Lonzo Ball's fun, even if he's been struggling. He's interesting. I think it's really cool what he's been been able to bring to the Lakers and bring to the NBA. Uh, and then Josh Jackson. And that's just to name like six or seven. There's other guys who have been fantastic as well. What have you seen from this rookie class so far? You've missed... You missed the best rookie oh, in LA, wait. Oh. Kyle Kuzma. I was gonna. Oh, I thought How you were gonna bring up Lori Markman. When you mentioned Lonzo and not Kuzma, that broke my heart. What's he averaging? Fifteen right now. He is killing it. He looks amazing. Like he's. I'm not gonna say he's going to be better than Lonzo, but right now he's the best rookie in LA. If Brook Lopez wasn't on that team, he might be the best player on that team. Now, hold on. I'm missing somebody, right? I don't know. Uh, he's jo- been amazing. Jordan Clarkson? Like, who? wait, hold on. Hold on for a second. This is real. Who's the best player on the Lakers? There, right now? There's pauses in both of us right now. I'm, bringing, I'm pulling up the roster. Sincerely, think, think out loud right now. Because is Brooke Lopez better than, than Kyle Kuzma right now? I think right now... I mean, they offer, obviously, different things... I would say right now, just as a player for, in this exact moment, in the present time, I would say Brooke Lopez has to still be better. But Kyle Kuzma, he he's sick, dude. I love watching him. Um, is it is it is it uh, Contavious Colwell Pope? Like, is he the best player? I don't think it's Brandon Ingram. It's, it's not, not Lonzo Brandon, right now. It's, it's not Brandon Ingram. Let's not, just cut that. It's not Brandon Ingram. It's not Jordan Clarkson. Like, it might be Kyle Kuzma. That's crazy. Maybe. That would be insane. That's insane to think about, but. I'd give it to Brooke, too, though. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, a couple other guys I like. A guy who I loved in college. I thought he was the lefty John Wall, as I call him, is De'Aaron Fox. Yes. I mean, I think he hasn't been super efficient, uh, but he's been, I think, a fun guy to watch. I kind like, I don't think the Kings are going to be any good. I kind of wish they would trade George Hill to, like, a content- maybe to Denver? Ooh, and get some pick, get a pick like a first rounder for him. I I guess I don't think they can trade him until whenever it is because they signed him this offseason. I don't know. I kind of forget what the rule is off the top of my head. But then just let De'Aaron Fox run the show. Give him the minutes. Let let him like basically figure out how to be a good NBA point because I think he's been fun so far. He hasn't been great by any means. Um, one of my Speaking of the Kings, one of my buddies from SQ would be so disappointed if I didn't bring him up is, let me see if I can get his name right, 
Bogdan. Yes. Bogdanovich. Heck yeah. I was gonna. I was just gonna bring up Bogdan. Bogdan Bogdanovich is a real NBA player, man. He can he can shoot it from distance. He can move with the ball and like he can dribble a little bit. And I, I think he has some real NBA skill. And he's what like six five. Got good size. I like him. He's sick. I like Bogdan. Um, another guy in Atlanta, John yes. Collins. Dude, you're you're literally picking off my head right now. What do you like about John Collins? I think he's just an all around like really good player. I mean, uh, especially because. People thought Atlanta was going to be a major tanker this year. No one real, no one really like, and maybe they still might be. Yeah, but they're two. He's and been awesome on that team so far, and I just I haven't watched a whole lot of him, but I've been like obviously checking the box scores and checking fantasy basketball, or whatever. But he he's sick. Um, You're missing yeah, one. Go, You're missing one. Who else, man? Another guy, Laurie Markkinen. Oh, Lord. How can we forget about Laurie Markin? Oh, he's the best player on the Bulls. He he oh By he's far. he's the best player on the Bulls. He's sick, Laurie Markin. If Zach Levine awesome. comes back, it might be Zach Levine. But right now, he's the best player. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot Laurie Markin. I know he's well, awesome. He can Just shoot it. To... The one thing we knew about Laurie Markin that is he was going to be able to shoot, but he's putting the ball on the ground. He's doing a little post moves, fadeaways. How you doing? How you been? He's been fun. Yeah, at first, like when I watched him at Arizona. This is what I thought of. So I, I was saying he plays like Kristaps if Kristaps had a dump in his pants with the way he like <laughs> ran like awkwardly and slowly. But he like has real NBA game. Like he's not just the shooter. Like he's not just Andrea Bargnani. Oh, thank God. Like, he's right? got real NBA game. And it's not something that I thought I didn't necessarily think he could play at the speed of the NBA game. But I've been proven wrong. He's awesome. And I just want to throw this out there because we mentioned probably 10 rookies right there, right? And we still didn't mention Dennis Smith Jr. We didn't mention Malik Monk. How about not even mentioning you know, Bam Adebayo who started to get some minutes? Even Jared Allen in Brooklyn has been kind of fun. Uh, there's guys – and oh, honestly, hold on. Semi Ojale in Boston has earned minutes as a rookie already. The guy out of SMU. There's, there's people – in this rookie class, who are going to be NBA contributors for a long time. And that makes me excited because if you're going to have a class with this many contributors, you're also just by chance is going to have some studs. And this might be that draft class. That what was it, 04 with LeBron, Melo, Dwayne Wade. Like this might be the next class. Because if I told you right now, Jason Tatum, Josh Jackson, Dennis Smith, De'Aaron Fox, Lonzo Ball, Malik Monk, like I'm, I'm naming all these guys. You're probably going to say, all right, not all of them are going to be stars. Not all of them are going to be all-stars. But some of those guys are all-star caliber. Some of those guys are game changers. It's going to be so fun to watch this young class grow. I mean, I guess another guy we have to bring up, he's obviously been hurt. but And he's obviously, when he's been on the court, he's had his shoulder issues. Oof. But Markel Fultz uh, in Philly, obviously the flavor of the month is uh, – Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on that team. Not the flavor of the month. That makes it sound like they're going to be gone next month. But they're awesome. But if Markel Fultz can really be, I want to say, like, OKC James Harden, once Ooh. he gets his shoulder uh, fixed, I like or whatever that. the issue is. Um, but that would be sick to see. Uh, I loved him in college, so... 
And you know it's funny that scene. you said James Harden, and we're going to end up in a moment because we've, we've definitely been talking for a while here on the Sports Block New York podcast. I actually compared Markel Fultz to James Harden in uh, during draft time because I thought the way he moves through the floor and uh, kind of slowly and methodically makes different spin moves and euro steps. And what's the 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 step back Jimbo or whatever the thing Kevin Durant has he pull up Jimbo? Oh, the has he pull up? <laughs> there we go. The Jimbo. I mean, he's got it right, but it's just it. It, it disappeared, and whether it's injury or the yips, it's scary. It's a weird situation. Uh, I think the NBA is pulling for him to get back. But James Harden, Markel Fultz, I like that comparison. So how about this, Kevin? Kevin Law of the Sports Quotient. Um, shout out all your stuff. Give me your Twitter. Give me your website. And give me your last thoughts after uh, this fine pro- podcast here. Okay, so I just recently changed my Twitter because of what – one of my friends, like, ironically made a joke. I might change it back, but as of now, it is. Hold on. Let me just make sure I get it right. No, that, it must I have been recently changed it. It's at real Kevin Law, L U O. Just because I couldn't get Law. So I was just like, I don't want the numbers there. I want to feel special. So I'm at real Kevin Law. And then obviously, you can check me out at the Sports Quotient. Uh, I try to write every now and then. I haven't written as much as I used to, but I still – or you can check out any of our writers. We have tons of awesome content on the site, so feel free to check that out. And uh, You do have a very yeah, active tw- – you have an active Twitter game, so shout out to you on that one. And I, I feel you because I recently changed my Twitter handle as well. I didn't want the numbers either. I made, the, I made that Twitter handle when I was in like a sophomore or junior in high school. I don't want to be pkennedy81 with an underscore stuck there in the middle. Now I'm just pkennedy with two Y's. Nice. Right? Smoother. I love it. That's what I'm saying. Well, Kevin Law, the sports coach, and thanks so much, man, for stopping in. We're going to have you back on the podcast, hopefully soon. Hopefully you enjoy it. But this is Sports Blog New York Podcast. You find it on iTunes, Apple Podcast app. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. If you like what Kevin has to say, if you like what I have to say, let us know your thoughts. We love to hear back from you guys. Thank you for tuning in. As always, this is Sports Blog New York Podcast.